Today we talk about how IVF is a multifaceted tool. It not only is a treatment, but it's also a powerful diagnostic process that unravels the hidden fertility complexities that prevent people from getting pregnant. And with it, we can sometimes unravel those and help people get pregnant when otherwise they couldn't. I'm Dr. Mark Amos, and this is Taco About Fertility Tuesday. When we think of IVF, we think of treatment. IVF is the ultimate treatment. There's no IVF 2.0. There's not some other treatment. And so we look at it as the ultimate treatment to help people get pregnant. The thing I want to talk about today is, is there more to it than just treatment? Do we sometimes learn things? Sometimes people have bad outcomes but we learn stuff that we didn't know before. And so today I want to start by talking about what do we know about IVF? Well, IVF allows us to bypass most things. So the reason it's so successful is because you can bypass things like your fallopian tubes, bypass things like the sperm. And so if you have a tubal issue, but you don't know it because maybe the fimbriae, which are the little fingers of the tube, are not working, IVF is going to work because you're not using the tubes anymore. Now, clearly, if you don't have tubes, you have to do IVF. But the point is, we're talking about people when you don't know what's wrong. Same thing with sperm. I've talked about this on several podcasts. Just because sperm looks good on paper doesn't mean the sperm does well when it comes to reproduction. It's just an association, meaning we're associating that when people have good values, they normally don't have problems. But that's no guarantee. That's the reason why in the NBA and the NFL, they have people who bust all the time, who look like they're going to be great because the parameters show they should be good. They don't do well. We don't put the sperm through an obstacle course. We have no way to know if the sperm is actually good and can penetrate the egg. And that's the next part. How do you know the sperm can get in the egg? You don't. There can be incompatibility issues where the sperm is not able to penetrate the egg for some patients. and so. IVF as a treatment is fantastic because you can bypass these things. Don't have to use the tubes. Don't have to worry the sperm's getting to the egg. You don't have to worry if the sperm's even getting in the egg because what you can do is you can inject it right into the egg. And so it's easy to see how IVF is a great treatment. And honestly, if it was the same price as artificial inseminations or was easy to do, People wouldn't do IUIs. All they would do is IVF. But it isn't. It's much more invasive and there's more work that costs more. And that's why we don't do it on everyone. But clearly it's the best treatment because it allows us to have some of the most success because we can bypass things. And then on top of that, we're able to make multiple, multiple eggs. By making multiple eggs, we're able now to have potentially a year or two worth of trying in one cycle. Now, there are other types of IVF that can be used, such as for testing for diseases. So you can sit there and make sure that if you have, let's say, cystic fibrosis, your child won't have that. And obviously, if you have like a sperm problem, your tubes are blocked, IVF is definitely a treatment. But for those of us with unexplained infertility, or maybe 
it's not completely explained why you haven't got pregnant or why IUIs didn't work. IVF becomes a test, and it's probably the most expensive test you'll do, but it's also the most diagnostic. That one test, IVF, tells us a lot of things. As a matter of fact, I've even talked about in podcasts how by doing IVF, I'm never afraid if I'm going to be able to help someone get pregnant because I'm able to now look and determine what the problem is. See, when an IUI doesn't work, nobody knows why it didn't work. Only God. Not your IVF doctor, not your friends, not your partners. No one knows why it didn't work. But in IVF, it's different. We can actually make changes. We can see things going wrong because it's a test. And where we see those issues, we can fix them and sometimes even improve the cycle. My last IVF patient who did a transfer on today, she went through an IVF cycle, got one embryo, it came back abnormal, and they did it again. We made adjustments and this time came away with multiple embryos that were normal because the test of IVF was allowed me to have more information so I can improve her IVF cycle. So let's talk about those tests. One thing it allows us to look at is how the sperm interacts with the egg. That's a pretty simple one. Obviously, we all realize that. But what I mean is you could take some of the sperm and put it with the eggs. You can inject some of them with ICSI and find out which one works best. If you find that few of the sperm get in the eggs, then you know that's one of your issues. That may be why you're not getting pregnant. The other thing we're able to look at is we're able to look at what do the eggs look like. People who have poor egg quality will actually have deformed eggs or can even be atretic where they're actually dead from the minute you get them out of their body. And that's not because of something that went wrong during the stimulation. Matter of fact, we talked about this in the last podcast where you can't fry your eggs. You can't take too much med and make your eggs degenerate. But there are some women, you pull the eggs out and either they have a bunch of what are called GVs, germinal vesicles. They can have a bunch of atretic dead eggs. They can have eggs that have too much cytoplasm in them or the things called vacuoles. And that lets us know information. And that information can then be used to be able to make other decisions. When it comes to sperm issues, it's not just about fertilization, but you can look the next day and find out, was the sperm attached to the egg? There's a difference between sperm around the egg and not fertilizing or no sperm attaching at all to the egg and not fertilizing. The difference in those is that in one, it appears there's a sperm problem that it was able to attach the egg, whereas the other one was an issue where it was not able to penetrate the egg. The other big thing is, again, back to eggs. Quality. We learn a lot about the quality of the eggs. Not just from what they look like, but even after they fertilize. In one of the podcasts, we talked about how when embryos fertilize, they get what are called 2PNs, two pronuclei, and they get these things called polar bodies. Sometimes, some of those embryos will have multiple pronuclei in them, or multiple polar bodies. And that tells us something, because a lot of times that's coming from the egg. Now, what's really interesting is that you can watch these grow out, and then we start to see things like fragmentation. A patient who has embryos that stall with lots of fragmentation tell me that there's a lot of stress on those embryos versus a person who has embryos that just stall with no fragmentation makes me think there's probably something more going on with the DNA 
and maybe something went wrong at that point that stopped it. But again, can be fragmentation. Either way, there's a big difference between embryos that are fragmented and not, and that information is useful. The quality of the embryo makes a big difference. So at the end, when it's graded, embryos that have poor grading end up doing better when you use growth hormone in the following cycle. And so that may change things. Even the length of time of how long it takes it to become a blastocyst makes a difference. An embryo that takes seven days to become a blastocyst usually is going to do poor than an embryo that only takes five days. And so this information again tells us a story. But the last thing that IVF allows is it also allows pre-genetic testing. And that's where we take a biopsy of the embryo on the outer cells called the trophectoderm, and we test that to find out, is the embryo normal or abnormal? And when we say normal, meaning the chromosomes, is there a normal number of chromosomes in them, or they're abnormal, where there's multiple chromosomes, being like three trisomy uh, 21 chromosomes, so you get trisomy 21 Down syndrome. But there can also be other things, such as if there's multiple chromosomal problems. So most young people, when they have PGTT, they get one abnormality, missing chromosome six, a plus eight. What they usually don't get is four chromosomal problems on the same embryo. And so when I see a patient who's younger who has multiple, multiple chromosomal problems, we call that complex aneuploid. Then I start to think to myself, okay, this isn't normal. And then if you take that over their whole cycle, you might be able to realize that there may be diminished ovarian reserve here in a different way. It may be more genetic. Sometimes we even find the thing called translocations. So for example, you get that DNA testing and all of a sudden you notice, wow, every single embryo has the same chromosomal problem. And then other embryos might have the reverse, but the same chromosome. In that situation, there may actually be a defect on one of the partner's DNA that's being passed along 50% of the time, causing then this translocation issue. This can lead to abnormal embryos and cause multiple miscarriages. It's actually one of the tests that we look for in people who have recurrent miscarriages. Now, nobody does IVF for testing. I get that. But the reason I wanted to bring this up is because I know when IVF doesn't work, we all feel like, well, what a waste. We'd even get pregnant from this. But what I want people to understand is, no, it's also a test. And the things you learn could be sparing even to your emotions because if you know that there's a serious problem, that may make you choose a different route. Or just by giving you this information might make you stronger and say, hey, I know what I'm up against. This isn't going to be a cakewalk, but you know what? I'm up for this fight. I'm going to keep pushing until I get there. The point is, not every IVF cycle is going to be successful, but every IVF cycle is going to give some information. And that information can be used not only to help you understand what's going on, but should be used by your provider to make adjustments if adjustments can be made to help improve your chances. So for some people, even though they may not be successful with IVF, they may learn enough to make them at least comfortable to know why they weren't able to get pregnant for all those years. Hopefully they get pregnant, and that's why I pray for. But the most important thing is at least to go over what we found in IVF, because IVF is not just a treatment. It's also a test. 
Well, hopefully this episode was helpful for some patients and maybe you're one of those patients who didn't have success but was able to learn a lot through IVF and hopefully they were able to make some changes to then be able to become victorious and have success. If you like the podcast, as always mentioned, please let us know, review us, give us a five-star rating on your favorite podcast medium, and tell your friends about us. I look forward to talking to you again next week on Talk About Fertility Tuesday. Fertility Tuesday.